Hey y'all, Jimmy here, welcoming you to our second solo episode of Brits on Bikes. This is just a quick reminder to be sure to listen to the end of the show for a promo featuring our friends the Dice Girls, an all-female D&D actual play who put the fun into uh, all the words with fun in them. Sorry, my wordplay is lacking somewhat, but do go and check them out. They are a whole heap of fun. Finally, I want to say a huge thank you to Ralph Chauciano for letting us use his awesome rendition of Bach's Minuet in G. You can hear the full uninterrupted version at the end of this episode. Anyway, that's enough from me. On with the show. on bikes fans and welcome to episode 11 of our lovely little show this is another special episode because we are here with just cat today hello hello cat how are you all right i'm tired yeah join the club it's okay we'll yeah. be fine i think eve's gallivanting around the uh the wilds of colorado at the moment so um, yeah it looked it, lovely it's just the two of us okay so how to begin well <laughs> this adventure is going to be running at the same time as eve's adventure is so it's saturday morning and you are just waking up what do you want to do I guess I will I'll leap out of bed, feed my fish, okay. and run downstairs. All right then, so you head on downstairs, and as you get halfway down the stairs, you can hear a sound of excited giggling and uh, lots of oohs and ahs and gushing noises. Oh dear. You head into the living room to wonder what all the fuss is about and you see your sister, Amelia, and your mother. Amelia is wearing a brand spanking new Majorette's costume. Your mum has decided to enrol her in, in Majorette classes and you can see her preening over your little sister. She says, Darling, you look absolutely beautiful. I can't believe how grown up you look. Mrs Carmichael is expecting you in an hour or so. How about we make you a special breakfast? Would you like pancakes? I'd like pancakes. Your mum acknowledges you and she dashes off into the kitchen, followed by Amelia. Um, are you following on? Um, I believe from prior, Sally's prior life experience is that it's not a good idea to follow into the kitchen when there is the possibility of pancakes because that could be taken away so very easily. So I will, I will sit down on... Some, some sort of seating that is presumably in the living room and pick up some kind of newspaper slash book that I'm sure is reading material. There must be reading material because... Yeah, sure. Where, okay, so you, you pick up a copy of the Marsh Haven News. On the front page is a report about the recent flooding and um, total shutdown of all water supply in the town. Scanning through, the report <laughs> indicates that it's kind of uncertain as to why the water was cut off, but everything seems to be back to normal and everybody seems happy. Yeah. After a few minutes, you can hear the hiss of the frying pan and the smell of pancakes comes wafting through to the living room. Yay! I like pancakes. <laughs> so what do you want to do? Uh, I want to tentatively look in the kitchen and see if we have any lemons. Okay, so you go into the kitchen and, and just as you enter, Patricia, your mum, is just placing a, a stack of pancakes in front of Amelia, who is squeezing lemons onto it and tucking in. Oh, is, is there any more? Your mum turns around to you and she says, Oh, darling, um, I'm afraid we only had a couple of eggs. And I thought, well, as it's Amelia's first class today, that, that she take priority. Why don't you make yourself some cereal or something? Okay. I'll go and make myself some cereal. Okay, you chow down on cereal. Amelia is is sat next to you eating her pancakes and um, 
she cuts them all up into small pieces and puts them in her mouth and dramatically puts them in and says, mm, Mum, these are the best pancakes I've ever tasted. I don't think I'll ever have anything better than this. Looking at you quite smugly. I shoot her a glare and okay. that promises uh, physical retribution later. All right, Mrs. Richards completely misses what she's doing and says, oh, thank you, darling. You're too kind. Well, so I, uh, so I don't spoil the delightful breakfast happening in here. I think I'll leave. Okay, what do you want to do? I want to go outside and it's, pro- it's going to be far too early to, to even attempt calling on Dee. Not that Dee will be around because this is an episode without Dee in it, but... So I think just, a, just leaving the house. Okay, make a brains roll for me. Twelve. Ooh, that's a, that's a, okay, thirteen. That'll do it. As you walk out of the house, you remember that Dee's actually got a cricket training session, his first cricket mm-hmm. training session. So he is going to be unavailable today. Rubbish. In that case, so you said it's a Saturday. Yep. Is the Civic Hall and like the museum-y bits, they were attached, I think, or they were next to each other or something? And um, the, the, the exhibition is actually part of the Civic Hall right. and then there's, so, there's yes. the library next door. So Is yeah. that open on a Saturday? Yes, it is. They probably do their best trade on a Saturday. That's so true. do you wanna head I on want over to there? Go there? I'm gonna okay. get on my bike and cycle right. away. Okay, so you bike on over to the Civic Hall. Yep, you prop your bike up against the building and you make your way in. What do you want to have a look at? I want to see if they've put the Marsh Rock back in the Marsh Rock exhibit. Okay, you head on in. Um, and if there's any new security there. <laughs> okay. After it got stolen. Uh, yeah, all right. Okay, so you go on into the exhibition. It looks the same as it was when the last time you went there, when the robbery took place. Um, You notice that the the glass has been repaired on the the cabinet where the rock was stolen. Um, The mummy still sits pride of place (laughs) in the centre of the room. Um, Is there there anything in particular you want to look at? Oh, I I should have listened to all the the episodes that we've done so that I would actually remember what's in here. Um, when we had the school trip and there was a poem thing, was that somewhere in here or were we just told about it? Yeah, no, it was a small tablet that was in there. I want to I look at the tablet and see if there's okay. anything else there. All right, m- make a brains roll for me. Four. I notice nothing. I can't even see the tablet. (laughs) I don't know where it is. Take an adversity token. Yeah. You have a look at the tablet again. It looks exactly the same as when you last saw it. Um, The poem is on there and it reads, uh, Water, air, fire and earth, the elemental marsh gives birth. Mm. Nothing really out of the ordinary. It is as it always has been. Is there anyone about? Just as you're pondering the uh, the tablet, um, you hear a voice. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Poor Sally Richards, all dressed up with nowhere to go except the museum. You whirl around and you see Erin in the room. There's nobody else around and she's in full-on fay mode as opposed to being the shy Miss Schiller uh, mm. that she usually is. What brings you here, Miss Richards? I don't know. I just did. I don't really like hanging out at my house and Dee's playing cricket. Ah, the boy's playing sport, is he? Typical. Mm. So what's going on in your house then that you you felt the need to come on over here? It's just not very fun hanging out there because... I don't know, my sister's doing something new and I I wasn't really paying attention. But she gets, like, everything and it's annoying sometimes, so I don't like being there. Oh, good grief, you really do need to toughen up, you silly little thing. Why? What? I... That's me. You just let everybody walk all over you all the time. It, it really is quite depressing. That's not very nice. She takes a little look around and she says, I think, Miss Richards... It's time you and I play a little game. What do you say? Okay. 
follow me. She skips out the room. There isn't anybody around. I mean, it's far too early for anybody to really want to be here. She hops gaily down the steps of the, the Civic Hall and outside. Are you familiar with the game Hopscotch? Yeah, that's the one where you draw with chalk and throw stones. She snaps her fingers and a piece of chalk appears and she very, very slowly starts to create a kind of hopscotch table on the pavement outside. It's slightly different to one that you would normally see. It's hexagonal in shape rather than square. The layout's the same, but she doesn't place numbers in there. Uh, Make a brains roll for me. I roll the brains. I don't have the chat thing open. Eleven. That'll do it. I mean, you've just been in the museum, so you, you're fairly familiar with what she's doing. They look a little bit like runes. Am I going to learn to count in fey? She picks up a pebble that's on the ground and she says, Well, go on then. Let's see how you do. All right. I toss the pebble. I can't actually remember how you play hopscotch. I just okay. remember this pebble throwing and there's the, the thingy. So I, I think you start with the <laughs> furthest square away. Mm. You, you've got to throw it at that. Yeah. So make a brawn roll for me. Brawn roll. Four. Take an adversity token. You throw <laughs> the pebble and you completely miss the table. Erin rolls her eyes and says, Oh, good grief. <laughs> you really need to get your act together, young lady. Let's try that again, shall we? And she hands you the pebble again. Off I go. Six. Yes, that'll do it. You manage to get the the pebble into the hexagon shape at the end and you begin to do hop, step, hop, step, hop, step down the path. As you land in the final square with the pebble in, a portal appears, a circle in front of you. And literally the moment you land in the square, this portal opens and there's like a kind of shimmering light and you are dragged. Oh, God. You are, you are sucked into this void uh, with, with swirling light going around you. And for a moment, your eyes are just filled with nothing but bright light. Oh God, that sounds terrifying. It doesn't last for very long, literally a matter of seconds before the light dissipates and you see that you are not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> I've never been to Kansas. Maybe I'm in Kansas now. <laughs> what do you want to do? Um, I would like to look around. Okay, so the first thing that you notice about this place is the quality of light it feels like the hue of everything has been turned up and everything is just that little bit brighter it has a a rather positive effect on you you feel your spirits lifted just a little bit you're still well make a grit roll for me grit Five. Um, yeah, you're still a little bit scared about what's just happened, I think but I'm you. Scared. <laughs> but you feel like that this is not necessarily, you know, a life or... to hell. Yeah, it's not a life or de- death situation immediately. So you seem to be. You've got your faculties. You're all in one piece. So you're Excellent. you're feeling okay. Can you make a brains roll for me as well? Brainy, brainy, brainy. Eleven. You also sense, despite the place looking vastly different there appears to be a a familiar layout the roads for example seem to follow the same road pattern as as marsh haven but that's where the similarities end a voice pops up behind you and says welcome you've not been here before have you don't think so how did i get here we're in the Fey realm now, Sally. This is the town of Nisa. You have a really, really good look around. The first thing that you notice is that housing is not as cramped as it is in Marsh Haven. Things are very, very spaced out, but the houses are, are, are very, very different. There is no one aesthetic. Rather, there are hundreds of different types of buildings. Where the Civic Hall once was is a 
pretty idyllic little thatched cottage and oh. if you if you look down the road there are a vast array of different buildings from a variety of different cultures some of which you recognize some of which you don't there are japanese minkas spanish villas round houses yurts looking out to the east there is a river and it contains an assortment of boat houses and houses on stilts and there's even like an igloo or two beneath their <laughs> own arctic microclimates you can see flurries of snow um, keeping that particular space very very cold if you look up you can see futuristic pod shaped houses just hovering in the air and there are also miniature versions of real world buildings the the the, the few that you do recognize are instantly recognizable so there's a a, a very small little taj mahal <laughs> and a miniature palace of versailles a tiny little pyramids yeah let's say there are <laughs> i want tiny. to make a teepee out of the eiffel tower I just think that would be funny. <laughs> well, um, you might not have time to stick around at the moment. <laughs> Make another brains roll for me. Five. That'll do it, because it's a it's an instinctive thing. Despite this variety, there is a, a real sense of harmony between the buildings. They're separated by expanses of foliage and grasslands and, and rocks, and they create natural borders that complement the otherwise very very contrasting architecture the other thing that you notice is obviously the people there is a presence in nisa you notice first of all that when erin welcomes you to the town that she has changed somewhat her hair is bright purple and it's in a pixie cut she's wearing a finely tailored suit and most noticeably of all is that she has wings. They appear to be made of light. And you can see people very, very similar to Erin moving about. It's not crowded, but there is a sense of busyness. People just going about their day to day. One other thing that you notice about Erin is that her ears have become slightly more pointed not comically so just it's just a very very subtle change and her eyes appear to be more feline in quality and this appears to be a feature that is common amongst all the people that you see they are quite androgynous as elves or fey tend to be they're probably a little bit taller than the average human folk so much taller than you but they just uh, they pay you no heed and they do whatever it is they're doing you can see people hanging out clothes you spot a giant bumblebee um, <laughs> carrying a group of three small fey children who are giggling as they whiz around on this bee that's amazing yeah there's just there's, there's all sorts well you tell me what else can you see what else is in this in this place what are people doing this is your world as well Ooh, okay. I I like to think that there is someone somewhere walking a parrot. Just okay. like a big, one of those big scarlet macaws just kind of flapping its way around. It's, it's on a lead just because I think that would be amusing. Okay, yep. You can see somebody walking a parrot. <laughs> Anything else? Um, oh, I don't know. What would you have in a... So there's a giant bumblebee carrying some children, you say? Yeah. Is there by any chance... A cart being drawn by unicorns. Absolutely there is. Unicorns are definitely a thing <laughs> in the Fey realm. They're just they're just slightly more sharp horses. Um hmm. what else could be in the Fey realm? I wanna say that there's a chocolate fountain somewhere in the middle of the town. Yep. In fact the chocolate fountain is exactly where the fountain is in Marsh Haven. Not that you know that because you haven't gone gone there, but there is a, a chocolate fountain there. Excellent. Erin looks towards you and she says, Come on, there are things to be done, people to see. Follow me. People to and see? She... What people? Oh, you'll see. It's all part of the game. Not sure I like this game. She starts marching off, almost like a tour guide. She points out various houses, various people that, that she may know. And make a brains roll for me. Brains. Three. 
all take an adversity token. So despite having the same rough layout as Marsh Haven, you are way too distracted to even notice where you are going. But fairly soon, you find yourself in front of a castle. Tell me about this castle. What does it look like? It looks like exactly what Hollywood would have you believe a castle looks like. It's all like, you know, grey stone brickwork, but kind of like that kind of um, pale weathered grey. And it's ridiculously tall with spires and pointy roofs and towers. And Okay, yeah. okay. So it's, it's very much, I, I don't know, like Camelot, that sort of castle. Possibly, yes. You arrive at the front of this castle and there is a, a large oak door right in the centre. And you can see a couple of fae standing outside. You can only assume that they are on, on guard. As Erin marches up to the door, they stand to attention mm -hmm. and one of them says, Oh, in, uh, Ambassador, I didn't expect to see you. Yes, yes. I have a guest with me. Would you mind opening the door, please? And he dutifully nods and he opens a smaller door within the large oak door of the castle. What would you like to do? I would like to uh, wave cautiously at the people on guard. They nod courteously at you as you head into the courtyard of the castle. This is a large open space. There are steps going up to the main part of the castle directly in front of you. And Erin purposefully marches up the steps and you are led through a corridor into what can only be described as the throne room. As you walk through the door, a sound fills your ears and you can see centre stage is another fae who is dressed in the style of a, of a minstrel, a troubadour, and he's playing classical music on an electric guitar. <laughs> Fantastic. Erin holds out her arm to stop you for a moment while the troubadour is playing, and you can see on a raised platform area is two thrones. And sat on the thrones are... A couple of fae. Erin leans over and whispers into your ear. Don't disappoint me now, Sally. We are about to meet some important people. Okay. Looking up at the two people sat there, Erin informs you that they are the queens of Nisa. They go by the name of Ingumba and Isadora. I'm never going to remember that. <laughs> Ingumba is a tall, beautiful black elf. Their face is marked with golden freckles that look like stars. Their long braids are tied up at the top of their head and they wear a richly coloured gamosi, which is, I will show you, it's a African, or more specifically, a Ugandan style dress. Ooh, it's pretty. Isadora is a little bit smaller than Ingumba. She's slightly stockier for an elf with a round face, short scarlet hair in a side quiff and a nose ring. They wear tight jeans, a t-shirt and a well-tailored patchwork trench coat. Interesting. I think I like, um, was it Ingumba better? Okay. I don't think you're supposed to have preferences, but... <laughs> I'll tell you what, make a grit roll for me. Okay. Just to see if you can suss them out. Oh, no, brains, actually. Well, okay, well, I got six for grit and <laughs> five for brains, so... Five will do it. As you stand at a distance, listening to the Troubadour play, you, your eyes are constantly drawn back to Ingumba and Isadora, and you get a sense that these are two people who are very much in love. Isadora's hand is resting over Ingumba's and Ingumba is constantly smiling. She is taking in the music um, and enjoying it and occasionally clapping when she hears some fat riffs. <laughs> Isadora, on the other hand, is listening and clearly enjoying the music, but strikes you as being perhaps a little bit more serious. Eventually, the music stops.
and the, the courtroom erupts with applause. The Fey troubadour takes his bow and smiles and Erin begins to step forward. As she moves closer to the thrones, Ingumba leaps up and hurries down the steps uh, towards Erin. And she says, Ambassador Ashira, such an honour. We haven't seen you in these parts for quite some time. And she grabs Erin <laughs> into an embrace. And Erin does that thing where people feel a little bit uncomfortable and they're not quite sure what to do. And she says, uh, Yes, thank you, Your Majesty. Uh... And... Um, extricates herself from the embrace as, as subtly and diplomatically as possible. Anything you want to say, Dee? I, I want to take a tiny step back and just be like, hello. Yeah. Ingumba looks over at you and she just breaks into a huge smile and yeah, she says, ah, my you're the <laughs> child, the child. Yes, we've heard so much about you. And she grabs you and hugs you as well and looks around back at Erin and she says, Ambassador Ashira, why has it taken you so long to bring the, uh, to bring the child in, into the realm? And, and, and she looks around and she says, where's the other one? Erin rolls her eyes and she says, Yes, uh, that one's not quite ready yet. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be along at some time. As she finishes speaking, Isadora pipes up and she says, Welcome, Ashira. It is always a pleasure to have you here. I hope you have been uh, fulfilling your duties. Erin looks about uncomfortably and she says, uh, Yes, your majesty, as always. Um, I just, just make a muffled squeak because I'm presumably still clenched in a, in a bear hug. Yes. <laughs> Ingumba looks at you and she says, So, tell me, child, tell me all about you. Um, my name's Sally. Uh, I, um, I, I live in Marshhaven. And I want to be a zookeeper. Wonderful, an affinity for animals. That is good. Come, child, come. And she takes you by the hand and she leads you up towards the throne. And she says, please, please sit. And she sits on the throne and gestures at the steps. Sit down on the steps. Erin follows behind you. She's slightly more demure than normal and she says, Majesties, as you are aware, the child has been inducted into the order. I felt it time and prudent that she make herself known to you and that you, you see what she is made of. Isadora looks not literally what you're made of. It's okay. They're not <laughs> going to like cut you open. Is Isadora looks down at you and says, yes, she seems a most intriguing creature. And what pray tell have been her achievements so far? Um. Come child. You can speak. Well, I don't. I haven't really done a lot. I I basically, I, I usually just make sure that D doesn't get in trouble when he does things. So, so that they we, we make it we make a good team. Interesting. Very good. Very good indeed. Well, I think maybe it's time for you to go on a little journey of your own. I have a task for you. Sally, was it? Yes. Yes, ma'am. My dearest love has lost something very precious to her, a jewel, and I wish you to see if you can locate it. Okay. Do, do you know where it was last seen? That we do not know, but she looks over at Ingumba and she says, maybe you can help her out? And Ingumba stands up and takes you by the hand again and lifts you up. And she says, I don't really know where it is, but maybe this will help you. And from inside uh, her sleeve, she pulls out a talisman and she pops it round your neck and just tucks it into your T-shirt. And you can feel this talisman. The, the talisman itself is in the shape of the seven-pointed star, uh, the symbol of the order. And it feels uncomfortably cold against your skin. She says, this should help you find the way to the jewel. The closer you get, the warmer it will become. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good at hot and cold. <laughs> she says, do you think you will be able to manage this task? I hope so. I'll, I'll, I'll try. Well, I suppose we best set you on your way. Erin steps backwards and she says, don't let me down, Richards. 
I'll, I'll try. Isadora gestures to the bard, who steps forward and plays a series of complicated scales. And as he does so, light appears and an archway forms itself in the middle of the room. What would you like to do? When you say an archway, is it like a, a, a like kind of a portal leading somewhere, or is it yeah, just like, like a, the Arc de Triomphe is now in the middle of the room? No, it's 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 kind of like a stargate almost. Cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna go go through the stargate. You step through the archway, and you feel a bit like when you stepped through the portal before. The moment you come into contact with the shimmering light between the archway, you're sucked in, and. <laughs> Three seconds later, you find yourself back in the throne room in front of the archway again. Intriguing. Looking up, you can see that a series of letters have begun to form over the archway. And it simply says, to go forwards, you must go back. I want to walk through it backwards. You take a few steps backwards, and as you do so, you're looking directly at the thrones, and Isadora has a knowing smile on her face, and Ingumba waves at you excitedly, as <laughs> you are once again... excitedly. <laughs> as you are once again sucked into the void, as it were. This time, however, you find yourself on the edge of a forest... Okay. Are are there any sticks on the ground? Yep, yep, you can find some sticks. I would like to pick up a stick and hold it defensively. You find a stick, like, are you talking like kind of staff-sized? Um, I was thinking something kind of like the length of my forearm, just that I, I could I could hit something with and run away. Okay, you spent way too much time with D. <laughs> um, okay, yes. so yeah, you grab a stick and you look around. Nothing really happens. You can hear a few birds in the, the air, some of them looking slightly exotic. But yeah, you're just stood in, in front of this forest wielding a stick. <laughs> Okay, is there is there a path of any kind that visible to me, or I'm just is it just trees? There is a pathway headed into the forest. Okay, what's what's behind me? If I look back, is it like the town of Nisa? You can see Nisa, yeah. yeah. You can see the town in the distance, but you're probably a good three or four kilometers away. Okay. Well, I guess it's into the woods we go. Is it dark? Because I do have a torch in my bag, and um, I didn't state that I took my bag, but I did. <laughs> retroactively <laughs> that's okay i'll let you take your bag okay yep you head into the woods the forest is made up of oak trees some of them saplings some of them look like they've been there for hundreds of years very thick they overgrow the space so it is a little bit dark but not so much that you can't see where you're going okay that's all right then do any of the trees look like they would be easy to climb for all intents and purposes, it looks very much like Wyndham Forest, just to the west of Marsh Haven, which you haven't seen, but some of our kids 40 years previously have. Um, okay. If there is a tree that looks climbable, I would like to climb the tree. Okay, can you make a brawn roll for me, please? I can try. <laughs> Two, I do not manage to climb the tree. You do not manage to climb the tree. Take an adversity token, please. Well, at least so, I'm getting loads of adversity tokens. So it's not so much that you that you can't climb the tree, it's just that there aren't any branches low enough for you to grab hold of. Lunch. You know, the the saplings and the, the smaller trees are far too weak and the larger trees branches are kind of way above your height. Sad times. Okay. In that case, I suppose I must just follow the path and occasionally prod the, the thing to see if it gets any warmer. You did notice that when you got to the edge of the forest is that the, the talisman became not so much warm, but sort of less uncomfortable for mm. you to wear. It almost feels like it's standard metal against skin Rather than at ice. the moment. Yeah. So you wander through the forest. Are you sticking to the path? Um, unless I see something... Unless something catches my eye in the undergrowth, I think I would stick to the path, yes. You take this path and you walk for probably about an hour. As you do so, very much like the town, the forest has a tendency to change as well. One moment you're surrounded by thick oaks, next moment it becomes dense fur. At one point there are like just 
palm trees everywhere. <laughs> and as you move it further forward, you're, you're currently surrounded by huge, massive, giant redwoods. Can you make a grit roll for me, please? That'll do it. As you're passing through the redwoods, you hear a a noise. It's a high-pitched growl. And because you rolled an eight, you sense that it is the sound of some kind of animal. And the animal seems to be distressed. Oh, no. Um, can I follow the source of the sound? Yep, the sound appears to be coming from the east and you can, I mean, you can certainly get through the trees. That's no problem. It's a little bit more dense, but nothing that you can't manage. And eventually you come out into a clearing and there in the middle of the clearing is a stake and tied to the stake by a thick chain round its neck is a baby bear cub. Um, and it's growling and moving its head around. It's obviously struggling and doesn't want to be there. Oh, poor little thing. Probably what would you not like a to good do? idea to just randomly try and stroke a wild animal. But I would like to cautiously approach it. Okay. And put my stick down to be like, I'm friendly. I'm not going to hit you with the stick, even though that is why I picked it up in the first place. So. Okay. I think this is probably going to need a grit roll. Okay. Just but to show your, your bear savviness. My bear savviness is bad. I rolled a one. Okay. Would you like to add any adversity I'm tokens add to that? I'm going to add all of my adversity tokens <laughs> to that and make that into a seven. Okay, well, a seven will do it. So you very, very cautiously approach the baby bear. And initially, it becomes more distressed because it hasn't seen anyone for a while. And you stop just to allow it to calm down. And then you move forward. And eventually, you are in front of this bear. And it's not coming out to attack you. But it does feel like it's on its guard. Now that you're closer, you can see that the, the collar around its neck is made of iron and there's a pin in the iron which would easily release it how is it like how much um slack is there in the chain between it and the stake there's probably only about three or four feet of chain okay because like so like is it is it on is it towards the end of that three or four feet as you approached it stepped up as well and came forward and it's just there and poised and on its guard i see so i would like to position well actually first i'm gonna make a grit roll okay i rolled an eight to give me so and let's just say that i'm i think that means that i should be confident enough to confident enough to attempt to help the baby bear yeah i'll give you that cool so i want to position myself between the bear and the stake so if it runs away from me it will make my job easier Okay. And try and, and try and reach out to get that pin. Okay. So you reach out. Uh-oh. Am I about to get mauled? No, I'm just... What I'm doing is I'm just rolling grit for the bear. Oh. You reach out to the bear. Are you going straight for the collar? Yes. Okay. And you pull the pin out. The moment you pull the pin out, the collar just drops from the bear's neck. And the bear, bizarrely and strangely, suddenly lurches up... And the next thing you know, it's standing on two feet. Um, Is it like Paddington? And it turns around and it says, Oh, good grief, thank you. I thought I was going to be trapped here forever. That, that's okay. Uh, are you all, How did you get here? Oh, it's a terribly frightful story. I was just going for a walk with my mum and I ran off just a little bit too far and... And, and somebody managed to catch me and they tied me up here and I don't know where they've gone and I don't know where my mum is. Oh no, that's really sad. Um, do you, do you know where, where you, what, where you came from? I, I don't really know. Uh, I think, I'm not sure. Everything just seems so confused. Who are you? My name's Sally. Would you like a hug? Um, I think I would. Okay, I'm gonna give the bear a hug. Okay, it's a bear hug. <laughs> it's a bear hug. Well, actually, it's a Sally hug. Um... <laughs> I'm rolling brawn to see how tightly I can hug the bear. I rolled a seven. Okay, yeah. So you Squish. you hug you hug the bear, and the bear instantly sort of warms to you and feels comforted. 
<laughs> Excellent. As you separate, he says, My name's Rodney. Hi, Rodney. Would you help me look for my mum? Yeah, I can help you look for your mum. I'm also trying to look for something else. If you see a jewel anywhere, just give me a shout. Oh, I don't I don't know about things like that, but I'll do my best. Thank you. Right. Hey. Do you know what kind of trees are where you live? Um, big ones. Big ones. We're in the place with the big ones. That doesn't help. Well, where are you going? I don't really know. I just started... I came walking from that way and pointing from to where I started walking from. I have no sense of direction, but Sally hopefully has a better one than me. And, and I was just walking that way, trying to find this jewel, but I don't really know where I'm going. So let's try and find where you come from and then everything will be okay. Okay, well, I like the idea of don't know where I'm going, so <laughs> let's go that way. Excellent. So let's, let's start trotting off, I guess. Which direction are you going? I would head back to the path because okay. path feels safe. Yeah, so you and Rodney are heading off in the direction of the path. <laughs> so you amble along for maybe an hour, hour and a half. So how did you end up looking for this jewel in the first place? Um, I was asked to by a friend of a friend. Oh, okay. What does it look like? I don't know. I'm guessing that I'll recognise it when I see it. Oh, okay then. That seems reasonable. He's kind of looking over his shoulder and around the place, just hoping to perhaps spot his mum at some point. Where's your mum? She's at my house. I, I didn't want to be around there, so I left. Well, why is that then? She's all, like, giving my sister stuff, and I... My sister's not very nice, so I don't, I don't like that. Well, have you ever spoken to her? Have you told her that she's not very nice? Who, my sister or my mum? Your sister? Oh, she knows. Okay, well, if it makes you that unhappy, maybe you should do something about it. Then I just get in trouble. It just, it just, I mean, it's easier just to leave the house. No one cares. But, but don't you like your home? I guess not, really. That's really sad. Is it? I think maybe you should talk to your mum. I'm sure she'd find a way to make it my problem. She's good at that. I, I, I try and ask her about things and then it all gets confusing and then she gets upset and then I get upset and then it's just, it's just, not, it's just not nice. Oh, I see. Oh, um, could you excuse me for a moment? Rodney looks around and dashes off into the off the path and into the wood. It's all right. I'll be back in the moment. I'm just um, Nature's doing calling. some business. <laughs> Nature's calling. A bear does indeed in the woods. <laughs> naughty, naughty swearing. So Rodney has just scarped off quickly. What What are you doing? Are you carrying on? Are you waiting? Um, I'll, I'll wait for him because he's my new friend. You and I will check the uh, the amulet, see if it's got any warmer. Make a grit roll for me. Five. You think it's maybe gotten a little bit warmer. You can't really tell, but you have a, a sneaking suspicion you're headed in the right direction. Okay. As you're waiting for Rodney, you feel something on the back of your hair, just brushing against it. Whip round. You don't see anything, but as you turn back round again, there is a tiny little creature, like a little, almost like a, a, a miniature version of a fae, no bigger than your little finger. You say that, and I it, have freakishly small little fingers. Okay, well, it's very small. <laughs> and it kind of flutters around in front of your face. You can see that it's wearing a tiny little dress of petals. I hold out my hand as like a platform. The, the tiny fairy-like creature comes down to land on your hand. What do you do? Say, hello, what's your name? As you do so, the eyes of the creature go grow wide and black and it emits what can only be described as a tiny little cough and there's suddenly a of dust and pollen and it flies into your face. Oh, that's horrible. You don't know what's happened to the creature because you can no longer see. You have gone blind. Oh no! 
Um, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna call for Rodney. So yeah, you call out for Rodney, and after a minute or two, you hear him come gambling through the brush. I was only gone for a few minutes, Sally. What's what's the matter? Um, a tiny, tiny fairy coughed in my face, and now I can't see. Can can you help me? Oh dear, that's I I can't see anything around now. Um, I I I don't know what would have done this sort of thing. So it's not something that's normal in these woods. I don't know. I've I've never gone this far before. Oh no. Um. Okay. Uh, not not to panic. Um. What what direction were we moving? Let's just. Uh, I don't I don't I don't know where I am anymore. Um. Maybe we can maybe we can do this together. Um. Just hold on to my my paw. And he grabs hold of your paw and links arms with you. Thank you. It's fairly long going for you. You have no sense of direction anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything is jet black. Occasionally, you sense that the path grows narrower as... Stuff brushes past. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, things brush past you. But eventually, Rodney stops and says... Um, Sally. Yeah? I think we might have a problem. Why? What's wrong? Rodney goes on to explain to you that you are at the top of a very, very high ravine. Ah. He tells you that there doesn't appear to be any way down. He has told you that there is a stone bridge that is no more than a foot and a half wide. It has no handholds or sides. Okay. Um... I want to go home. Uh, make a quick roll for me. Uh, oh, that's a 10. That's an 18. You've realised that the moment Rodney stopped, you became aware of the talisman and it is beginning to get decidedly warmer. Hmm. So I'm very scared. With a very scary thing ahead. And no way home. This is kind of like my nightmare. What, what do you think we should do, Sally? Um... Well, this is the right way to go. I'm just really scared. Um, I guess we have to go across the bridge. Um, how do you want to do it? Um, you said it's really narrow, right? That's right. Yes. So is it like? Is is it is it like like shoulder width? Probably yes. Okay, then then it's probably best to try and crawl. Because then you can feel the edges and stay in a straight line. Okay, so you decide that you're going to crawl. Are you, are you going first or are you letting Rodney go first? Um, I think I want to go first because then he'll be able to see if I fall. <laughs> and maybe try and catch me if I'm really lucky. Okay. I would like you to roll flight for me, please. Oh, that's the one I could potentially do well at. Oh, yes. Please. That was that's a uh, a twenty five out of twenty. That's a twenty five out of twenty. Very well. <laughs> Sally's not going to die yet. So you get onto your hands and knees, and Rodney guides you to the edges of the stone bridge. You slowly but surely begin to edge your way across. You can feel the wind picking up and it's blowing across you. And at times you find yourself having to stop just to compose yourself, but eventually you do make it across. This is legitimately making my palms sweat. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really scared of heights, so this is just horrible to imagine. You make it across and you stand up on solid ground. Oh, that's good. I'm psyched, this is just a plateau and there's another bridge. What do you want to do? Um, is is Rodney behind me? I'll ask Rodney if he's behind me. You get no response. Rodney? Did he fall? Did I hear him fall? Did I hear him following me? Did I hear anything? Is the bear okay? (laughs) You, You definitely know that the bear was behind you whilst you were going across. Okay. But now he's 
but he fell without he wouldn't have fallen without making a noise that would have been very weird so he's either ignoring me or he's not there anymore for some other reason or maybe he like got he got got by some kind of so I, I got see no evil he got speak no evil and some poor sod somewhere else has hear no evil alright what would you like to do um, I would like to sit on the floor and cry okay you sit on the floor and cry after some time you can hear a sound in front of you hello all of a sudden you feel a familiar sensation of a dust or pollen hitting your face all right and as you begin to rub your eyes and and sneeze you look up and erin's there oh oh dear poor little sally all on her own and blinded and no idea what to do that about sums it up well look at it this way richards at least you've managed to come this far. Seems silly to stop now, if you ask me. Well, I stopped because I couldn't see and I thought my friend might have died. I'm sure your friend is... And she snaps her fingers and the image of Rodney is now stood in front of you. And then he claps his paws and Erin reappears. I'm sure your friend is just fine. That's really mean. You're not very nice to me. Maybe not, but look how far you've come. And she points at the bridge behind you. You just crossed that. Yeah, and it was scary. But you did it nonetheless. Well, yeah, because I couldn't do anything else. Exactly. When all else fails, you just have to keep going forward. And with that in mind... She gestures behind her, and in front of you is a cave. Is that where I have to go now? big dark scary cave in the middle of a huge ravine i would say so dear well at least i can see now i want to pull my torch out of my bag and, and storm off because erin's mean and i don't like her anymore so you march off and erin finger waves at you <laughs> smiling you reach the mouth of the cave and it doesn't even need a roll the talisman is beginning to pulse you are most definitely in the right place at the moment. I hope it doesn't burn me when I find it. Well, you have to find that, won't you? Mm. Might take it off now, having thought of... Actually, no, hang on. I'll make a brains roll to see if Sally thought of that. <laughs> Sally got a 10 on the brains roll. I'm going to take it off and hold it in my hand. You take it off, you hold it in your hand, and you can feel the talisman continues to pulse in your hand. Mm. All right, talisman in one hand, torch in the other. Click, click. Uh Let's go. The torch doesn't do anything. Fantastic. Of course it doesn't. In that case, torch back in the bag, hand on the wall. So you make your way down a narrow corridor in the cave. There is some source of light. Not huge amounts, just cracks in the ceiling and a, a very clear light at what must be the end of this corridor. Well, that's all right then. As long as it's not a train, everything will be fine. Okay, so you make your way through the corridor and you realise that the source of light is an opening that appears to go into another room. Hmm, intriguing. At this point, although it hasn't gotten any hotter, the amulet is pulsing really, really rapidly now. Mm. Well, must be nearly there. This is a very, uh, very conspicuous place to have uh, lost something. I'm finding this highly suspicious. Yes, Sally wouldn't know that. <laughs> oh, yeah, Sally's naive and gullible, but I'm finding this very suspicious. You're going into the room? Of course. You enter the room and it's maybe about twice as wide as the corridor, maybe a little bit bigger than that, and down the sides are burning torches, so it's clear. You can see the whole space. It's quite a high room. You can't even really see the top. And in the very distance, or the other end of the room, is a plinth. What is on the plinth? You can see, sort of Indiana Jones style, there is a, <laughs> there is a, what looks like a tiny little cushion <laughs> um, and there is a there's something on there make a make a brains roll for me brains roll five yeah that'll do it i mean it certainly looks like a jewel it's spherical in shape and you can see a little bit of light coming from it as well what do you want to do i want to look at it very closely without touching it just yet 
Well, you're still at the, okay, the entrance sorry, to the room. I want to go to the plinth. Stand you get about halfway into the room when all of a sudden mists begin to swirl in front of the plinth. And as the mists clear, a hooded figure is stood in front of you. They're just in a long robe with a big hood that, that covers their whole head and face. Is that you again, Erin? The figure doesn't speak. I think it's you again and you're just being mean to me, so I'm going to try and walk past the figure. You walk past the figure. The figure doesn't move at this point. You walk up to the plinth. It's on a, on a platform, so you have to go up a couple of steps. And as you go up the steps, the figure turns round to face you and pulls back their hood. Underneath the hood is your mother. She looks at you and she says, Come back home with me, darling. This is no place for you. She says, Do you think you can honestly find your way back after all of this? I mean, probably. I followed a path. I mean, let's be honest. I think maybe they chose the wrong sister for the task. Why don't you come back and we'll send Amelia? She would definitely not care. You know you'll mess things up. You'll get yourself into a frightful state. Yeah, I know. I did. Sally, you're not cut out for this sort of thing. You're just too ordinary. What's wrong with being ordinary? Nothing at all, darling. Nothing at all. But you don't need to be special to pick up a rock. Yes, but I don't think this is a job for you, is it? But I'm already here. I just can't help but think you'll mess it up, like you always do. Come on, Sally, let's leave. I pick up the jewel and say, no. As you pick up the jewel, the cave around you dissipates. You see a swirling mass again, and you reappear back in the Fey court of Nisa. Isadora and Ngumba are still there on their thrones. You can see Erin smirking slightly, leaned up against a pillar. She does a small (laughs) kind of sarcastic clap. Ingumba, with a squeal of joy, runs forward and says to you, You found it! You found it! Where is it? Please, may I have it back? Uh, I I will hold it out to her. And be like, you lost it in a very strange place. She holds up. You, you, you look at it closely now. It's a perfect sphere. And it does have a swirling purple mass through it. Um, and she holds it up to the light and looks at it and grabs a pouch that's hanging on her belt. And she takes the sphere and she plops it into a bag, turning to Isadora. And she shakes the bag and she says, come on, let's have a game now. <laughs> I've got the whole set. <laughs> Are they going to play marbles? Isadora comes down with a wry smile on her face She's obviously charmed by (laughs) Ngumba's enthusiasm for a game of marbles She slides over to Ngumba and wraps her arm around her waist And she says, in a moment, but we have business to conclude first, don't we? (laughs) And Isadora looks at you and she says Well done, Sally, I'm impressed You, uh... You managed to find your way through the forest. You helped somebody in distress and you stood up to someone who you feared. I couldn't have asked for it to have gone in a more perfect way. And for your efforts, I wish to give you three things. She claps and a fae steps forward with an ornate case um, and, and opens it up for you to show. Inside are two highly polished mirrors. And Isadora says to you, these are scrying mirrors. The bearer of one mirror will be able to speak to the bearer of another mirror, should they need to. And Erin says, yes, I suppose you could give one to the boy, couldn't you? I've got one and I think Mrs. T has a couple as well. Wow. Essentially, you've got walkie-talkies now. Yay! Magic walkie-talkies. Magic walkie-talkies. Thank you. Um, Out of character, just so you know, I will probably require some psychic energy used to to use them. And you... Well, make a brains roll for me. Brains. Nine. 
you have a sneaking suspicion that there might be something special about the mirror in Mrs. Thistledown's uh, living room that Erin appeared from. Ah, that was so. Make that sense. is one of the, one of Mrs. T's scrying mirrors. Gosh, she okay. has a collection. Mm-hmm. So that is my first of three things I wish to give you. Um, I get more. Says Isadora. The next thing I wish to give you is some advice, and she steps forward. And she takes you by the shoulders and she leans into your ear and she says, Dark times are ahead, as well you know. If all seems lost, then you must seek the host's plume. Finally, Ingumba steps forward and she says, From me, I have a little vision for you. Come, child. And she beckons you over. A vision? Ingumba embraces you and this time you see her wings which are quite similar to Erin's expand out and they wrap around you giving you a kind of wingy hug I like the hugging in this episode and this time you see that all too familiar mist clouding your eyes and when it clears this time make a brains roll a brains roll eight you can see that you are back in Marsh Haven. However, things seem a little bit slightly distorted and a little bit flickery. You're in front of a, a very large building that you don't recognize. It's tall and made of mirrored glass and a fence surrounds the perimeter. There's a huge crowd outside and a young woman in her mid-twenties and slightly smaller than average stands on a makeshift stage wearing a t-shirt that says meat is murder the people in the crowd some of whom are carrying placards are captivated by the young woman who is mid-speech and you hear her she says are we really that desperate for clean hair that mondocore feel it necessary to inject chemicals into the eyes of rabbits maybe mr spruce would like to have his hair shaved off and kept in a cage not bigger than himself. See how he would like it. And she totally engages the, the crowd completely. And they begin to cheer and, and make noises of agreement. She continues, The only thing Spruce cares about is profits, and we must take a stand. Our boycott will remain in place until Monday Corps stop this barbaric practice. There's no excuse for animal abuse. There's no excuse for animal abuse. And as she begins the chant, the crowd join in. The policeman steps up towards the girl who just knocks his hat off defiantly. Two more police step forward, seeing that the girl has just gone too far, and they grab her, and she kind of struggles kicking and screaming, continuing her chant. And the crowd cheer her on and boo the police as she continues her chant and struggle and kicking as she's being dragged away. Can you make a grit roll for me? Nine! As she's dragged away, the policeman tugs at her t-shirt and you can see around her neck is a talisman of the symbol of the order. The mists begin to swirl and you find yourself waking up back in your bedroom and lying on your bed. And that's where we're going to leave it for tonight. Okay, well, we shall finish there for tonight. As always, if you like what you hear, do pop onto iTunes and give us a review. Um, it'd be great to get a few more. And if you want to become a patron, then you can subscribe to our Patreon, which you'll find at patreon.com slash britsonbikes. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, that's at brits underscore bikes. So we're going to call it a night. Thank you once again for listening. So from Kat, it's goodbye. And from me, Jimmy Sprinkles, it's goodbye and keep on biking. The Dice Girls may not know what we're doing, but we're sure having a lot of fun doing it. Do my bagpipes have like attack damage? <laughs> if I take out my bow, <laughs> could I miss and hit Trigus? If you roll bad enough. <laughs> have we been able to see the whole time? <laughs> You have dark vision! Surprise! <laughs> what ho, ugly creature? Don't, don't mind him. Everyone's dying around me, but I can't hit anything! Are you guys gonna be okay? Honestly, I think the answer to that is always no. <laughs> Who are you? We're just some riffraff. <laughs> Not anything particularly special. <laughs> we are the Dice Girls. <laughs> Find us wherever you get your podcasts. I rolled a four, we're gonna die.